Okay, so we are moving into Unit 2 of The Gospel is the Power, and Unit 2 is called The Gospel is the Power of God. It's not just any random power, it's the power of God. And it opens up with a scripture here, and that is Romans 1, 16 through 17. I know we read this in the introduction to the course, but this is a scripture that's worth reading again. So Romans 1, 16 through 17 is, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Hallelujah. What a foundational scripture to everything that we believe that Jesus says about himself and what God has done for us. So let's just jump into point A. The gospel is the power of God for what? For salvation. But let's take a moment before we jump into what salvation is, let's make sure we know if God actually has the power to do anything. So what is the power of God? Well, in the Greek, uh, the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. And so in the Greek, there is a definition for power, this particular word for power, and it's dunamis. Many of you may be familiar with this word, especially when you start looking into this word. When you start moving in power and miracles and signs and wonders, that's usually where you'll hear this word talked about. But in this context, we're going to talk about how God God is the one with all the power. But what is power? Power is power, strength, or ability. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Uh, Moral power or excellence. The power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. You know, a lot of people in the world are trying to get powerful, be powerful by accumulating riches and wealth. It's called purchasing power. You know, you have power of influence if you've got money to move things around. Power and resources arising from numbers, you know, people trying to get following. It makes them powerful. It gives them influence uh, or the power consisting in or resting upon armies. So these are things, these are elements of what define power. The root word for this is the word for able. It means that you are able or you have the ability to cause something to come to pass or to happen. So again, that the definition of the root word uh, is to be able to have power by virtue of one's own ability and resources, um, to be able to do something, to be capable, strong, or powerful. So we're looking into, is God actually able? able to do what he says he can do. So let's just jump into point A. God is all-powerful and all-sufficient. God is the self-existent one. He doesn't need anyone or anything. God is the one who created everything that existed. God said of uh, himself to Abraham, I am God Almighty. And some of you know that is where God reveals himself as El Shaddai. God is saying, I am the all-sufficient one. I am the creator God. I started everything. I have all power over all 
things. Hallelujah. God also owns all things, and he is sovereign over all the resources of the earth. Even if there's a human who seems to be in power, God is sovereignly over that person. No matter how powerful they think they are, God still sovereignly is in charge of this whole thing. God still owns all the resources of this world. The scripture says in Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. God made it, and he is in charge of all of it. He owns the whole thing. Deuteronomy 10 says that again. Behold, to the Lord God, your God, belong heaven and the heavens of heavens, the earth and all all that is in it. Everything in the world belongs to God. Psalm 50. I love this psalm. God is saying, I don't need anything from you. He says, every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need anything from you. The world and its fullness are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I already own everything. Hallelujah. God is like, hello, you know, clue in here to who I am and and what I I have the power to do. And in Haggai, God also says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. So all of the money, no matter what marketplace it might be in, no matter what person or company or organization might seem to old, own the silver and gold, God is in charge of all of it. God raises up and God brings low. God is sovereignly in control of all things. Things. Hallelujah. God is also more powerful than all of the cumulative armies in the whole entire world. And we touched on that in the last unit. The day of the Lord is coming when Jesus returns and the kingdom of God, the Messiah, the judgment of Messiah will absolutely demolish all kingdoms that have set themselves up against God and his kingdom. God is powerful enough to do that. So in the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says it this way, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, the scripture also says in another place that the, the that Jesus, when he returns, will wipe out the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth. All it takes for God to destroy the ruler of the whole world, a whole one world order, is this. Did you hear that? Just God's little breath. That's all it takes for him to destroy all of the armies of this world. That's how much power God has. And Daniel chapter 2, Daniel acknowledges that God is sovereignly in control of all the rulers of this world. He said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings 
and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Hallelujah. So, you know, you think, many of you, especially in America, that our leaders, or Western civilizations, that our leaders get elected by the people. Well, even through that election process, it is God who establishes and appoints all the authorities in the world. Romans 13, Paul says, God has appointed all the authorities in the world, and there is no authority except that which has been appointed by God. So whether you think that the leader is a good man or an evil man— Rest assured, God is the one who appointed that person, man or woman, for his own purposes. God's timeline of justice is very different than ours, so we've got to get a biblical perspective on that. But I'm getting into a different course that we're going to teach on Our Kingdom is Not of This World, and it's about how God sovereignly rules over all the nations. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. It will be coming out soon. But let's stay focused on that God is powerful. He has the power. We're on point D on page 10. God is morally perfect and totally just in all of his ways. So Deuteronomy 32, Moses is saying the rock, that's God. Hallelujah. His work is perfect for all of his ways are justice. He is a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. So not only is God all-powerful, but we can trust him not to abuse that power that he has and that authority that he has to work evil. He's not that way. God is perfectly just. He is perfectly just. And even if there is evil that is still in the world, guess why Jesus is coming back? He's coming back to avenge all evil. The reason that God allows evil to continue in this world is because he's giving everyone the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus and believe the gospel, to repent and be saved before that day of judgment and justice comes. So even if it looks like there's injustice now, God can work short-term justice in your right-now situation. But even if it appears that he is not, God will work ultimate justice and ultimate deliverance. In the end, God is perfectly just in all of his ways. And in the end, we will sing. This is from Revelation chapter 15. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. We will rejoice. We will not be sad on the day of judgment. I know that's hard for some people to get their minds wrapped around. But we will be rejoicing on the day of judgment of our God because God is just and true in all of his ways. It will be a great and awesome day of the Lord for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trusted in the gospel because we will know and recognize the justice of God and his moral perfection. So all power belongs to God. This is what we've learned. All power belongs to God. God can do whatever he wants, 
whenever he wants, however he wants, and to or through whomever he wants. Now, God is so humble that he limits himself within the confines of nature and his own design for creation, but he can also violate those laws any ways that he wants. He just doesn't do it often unless it's for someone's good, like healing or deliverance or setting them free because he is loving and good, but he has all power. So once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And again, another verse from Revelation 19, this is what we will be rejoicing and singing after the world has been judged. Hallelujah! A multitude of heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Hallelujah! God has all power. So moving into point two, we see what does God use that power for? The gospel is the power of God for salvation and to save. So again, we have another definition here. What is salvation? This is the word soteria. It means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. And I love this, deliverance from the molestation of enemies. You know, if you have something in your life, whether it's you know, sickness or oppression or someone is ruling over you or manipulating you or treating you horribly, or you're in a situation that you just can't seem to get out of. You are being molested by your enemies, whether in literal ways or in more spiritual or figurative ways. God has the power and uses his power to deliver you from that and we does it by faith. It's a beautiful thing. So an example of salvation is like Noah's Ark. So in the days of Noah, the whole world was suitable for judgment and deserved the wrath and judgment of God because humans had filled the world not with goodness and the glory of God, but with wickedness and violence. And God saw that the intents of the human heart were evil and wicked all the time. And so he was going to bring judgment upon the world and wipe it out with a flood. But Noah found favor in the sight of God. And so God told Noah to build an ark. And so Noah received what? Salvation. This is what salvation is. When the whole rest of the world was flooded, Noah received safety and salvation from that flood. And so Jesus now is like Noah's ark, just in a spiritual way. Jesus is not a boat that we get into, but Jesus is a spiritual ark that by placing our faith in him, we receive safety and preservation from the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And we also can receive preservation and safety from our present enemies, things that are attacking us in real ways in our daily lives, even right now. So another word for salvation, we're actually going to go into Hebrew now, is Yeshua. So the the Old Testament is written in uh, Hebrew, and in 
Hebrew, the word for salvation is Yeshua, and that means salvation, deliverance, welfare, prosperity, health, victory, and that which is delivered. So, you know, some people, you might be getting offended because I said prosperity or because I said health or healing, but this is, I didn't make these definitions up. They come from a source other than me that's credited in your study guide, but this is the definition of what's included in salvation. Okay, so another example, this is the example from the Old Testament where God delivered, he provided salvation, he saved the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. He led them by Moses and by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. He led them out of Egypt through the parted waters of the Red Sea to a place of safety. And even as they turned around and looked back to see what God would do to the most powerful army in the world in that day, Egypt was the most powerful nation with the most powerful army in the world in that day. But when they tried to step into the Red Sea, God caused the waters of the Red Sea to come crashing down on them. And so God conquered the most powerful army in the world at the same time that he saved. He provided salvation and deliverance for his people, Israel. And so after they got out of this in Exodus 15, they sing a song. I don't know about you. I might sing a song too. They were happy about this. And they sang this song, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Hallelujah. And this is what's so beautiful about this example. Are you ready? The name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. So Jesus is actually a name that is was made up in about the 300s AD, so 300 years after Jesus lived, um, and it was made up by a council. We're not going to get into the that whole thing, but it was really just, it's its a created name. Jesus was Jewish. He had a Hebrew name, and his name is Yeshua. His name is salvation. So <laughs> what, what the Israelites were saying, whether they knew it or not, is he is my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. He has become my Jesus. And so as you put your faith in Jesus, you will start to feel that way. He is my Jesus. <laughs> it's so exciting when you have Jesus in your life. He is mine. He has saved me. He has delivered me. He is mine my Jesus. He is my Yeshua. Hallelujah. And God's power, salvation, and to save. I know they sound so similar, but it's a little bit different. So we'll look at what does it mean to save. And this is where we get a little bit more into the present enemies or the present torments or afflictions. So to save is a different Greek word, and that is the Greek word sozo. And that means to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction to save a suffering one from perishing, i.e. one suffering from disease, to make them well, to heal them, to restore them to health. And there's another part that we'll get into in a moment, but let's just look at that. So what's the best example of Sozo 
It's Jesus. When you read the Gospels, you see what did Jesus do? He went around forgiving people's sin. Well, guess what? When there's no record of sin counted against you, then there can be no sickness. He even healed a man by saying, your sins are forgiven. And at that very moment, he was healed. He received his healing. Because where there is no sin counted against you, sickness has no place. Hallelujah. Even Deuteronomy 7.15, I know I'm going on a little tangent here, but says, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, then I will remove all sickness from among you. But Jesus, he fulfilled and obeyed all of the commands of the Lord his God. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the benefits of righteousness as if we had fulfilled the commands that Jesus fulfilled. He fulfilled it on our behalf. But Jesus went around forgiving sin, healing the sick delivering people from demonic oppression, that's casting out demons, and raising the dead, even showing that he had power even over death, power to save. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the best example of what sozo really is, and even the way that he did it. Hallelujah. So the next definition was to deliver from the penalties of messianic judgment and to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of messianic deliverance. Wow, that's a mouthful. Okay, but Peter said it a little bit different. <laughs> in Acts chapter 4, he said, There is salvation, soteria, that's the word we looked at for salvation. There is soteria, salvation, in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Sozoed. Hallelujah. God made a way. God made one way. The gospel is God's way. Jesus is is the way to be saved. Jesus is the Messiah. He delivers us when we put our faith in him. We receive salvation, rescue like Noah's ark from the judgment of the flood. We receive that from the wrath of God that will be judgment upon the world by fire when Jesus returns. We will receive salvation from that. But we also receive sozo. We are saved. We can receive present time right now, real deliverance and salvation from healing, for, for from sickness. We don't want to get saved from healing. We want to be healed from sickness, from demons that oppress us, from people that oppress us, from bad relationships, from bad choices. Sometimes I think, I, I don't think I know, we need to be saved from ourselves. Well, Jesus does it all. So God is all-powerful. But God uses that power to hold the world together and keep it from falling apart. But God also uses that power to save, to save us. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. 